question this morning. How is your memory? How is your memory? You know, even when I go to Tesco's and I have a list, I still forget to buy even what's on my list. My memory is terrible. Isn't it amazing that you can remember the things, isn't it amazing that you can forget the things you, let me get it right, isn't it amazing you want to remember the things you want to remember, but you forget them. But the things that you want to forget, you just can't forget. It's amazing. But I wonder what your memory is like. Well, this morning in this sermon, in this psalm that we're looking at, this man here, we're reading David, he wrote this psalm. He wants the Lord, he wants God to remember something. But he also want God to forget something. And so the first thing we find in, in Psalm 25, verse 6, the first thing he wants God to do is to remember him. So I've entitled this message, That is Not Enough. The title of the message, you will hear that throughout the message. But he wants, first of all, he wants God to remember me. The way he says in Psalm Verse 6, remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are of old. He says to God, remember, Lord, your great mercy and remember your great love. I want you to remember something, God. When you think about me, I want you to remember your great mercy and I want you to remember your great love. The reason why he says, because they are of old, is because David looks back through the corridors of time, and he looks back, and he sees a woman called Hannah. And there he, he hears the story of this woman called Hannah, who was unable to have children. She was barren, and she wanted to have children. And she came before the Lord, and she wept, and she cried for God's mercy and God blesses her, not with one child, but with several children. He remembers Hannah had great love and mercy. He looks back at the history of Israel and he remembers that there was the Israelites in bondage, in slavery. They were, they were slaves and the whip was constantly on their backs. But he remembers that God showed mercy and love towards those people. In fact, the words of God says this, God heard the groanings and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned for them. And so David, as he writes, he looks back and he says, oh God, I want you to remember your great love and your great mercy because they are of old they are back in the time and you showed mercy and grace to so many. Remember me, Lord, with your great love and your great mercy. Well, that's what he wants God to remember. But he also wants God to forget. What does he want God to forget? Well, we have it here. Do not remember the sins of my youth. Am I rebellious? 
ways. Lord, I want you to remember your great love and your great mercy. But Lord, I also want you to forget something, Lord. I want you to forget my rebellious way. I want you to forget my sins and my rebellious ways. You see, this man, David, he looks back and he sees his failings differently than what most people see them. You see, most people see their failings as mistakes. You know, I took a wrong turn. You know, I, um, I made a wrong decision. You know, I, 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 I chose wrongly there. I've made some mistakes. Most people see it like that. But David doesn't see it like that. When David looks at his past, he says that my failings and my sin was rebellion. That's what it was. Do not remember my sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. That is what sin is. It's not a few mistakes. It's not taking a, a wrong turn or, or making a, a, a few poor choices. No, 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 no. Sin is rebellion. And David picks it up and he tells you why it is rebellion. Look what he says in Psalm um, 51. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, he says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Lord, I have sinned, but guess what, Lord? It's you that I have sinned against. You see, sin is rebellion against God. It's when a man or woman lifts themselves up knowing what they are doing is wrong and yet they still continue to do it. It is rebellion against God himself. That is what sin is. You know, I can remember being under 10 years old and when I was in my primary school, we, me and this other lad, we, we, was, we, was, we, was, we, was, we was called into, we was allowed to go into the, uh, the staff room. And you was chosen to go into the staff room at the school because the teachers wanted their teacups and coffee cups washed. And so they got the under 10s to go in and do it. So me and the other, it was our turn. So excited to wash the cups for the teachers. Can you believe that? What a con job. You know? So there we were, washing the teacher's cups as a privilege. And then I turned around and, and, and I saw a teacher's bag on the floor and it had an apple in it. And for some reason, I just thought to myself, I want to have a bite of that apple. <laughs> I know it was wrong, you know. And I said, you know, no one will know. I want to have the whole apple to have a bite and put it back. No one would know. And so me and my friend both had a bite of the apple and we put it back. I was under 10. But I still knew that it was wrong. I was still being rebellious. And sometimes our rebellion hurts ourselves. Again, I heard a story of a, of a mother, of, of a parent and a child. And the child had a, a toy that he really loved. And he took the toy and he threw it on the floor outside in the street. And the parents said, pick the toy up. And the child said, no. And the parents said, 
pick the toy up or are we going? And the child said, no. Pick the toy up and we're leaving. And the child said, no. So the parent took the child and left. And the kid's favorite toy was on the floor. Why? He was hurting himself by his rebellion. And that's children. But I want to tell you something, my dear friends. As you grow older and you sin and you rebel against God, who do you think you're hurting? Who do you think you're destroying? You're destroying yourself more than anybody else. You know, I was considering some of the musicians that I grew up with. You know, the big names that you grew up with. I was considering men like Prince and Michael Jackson and George Michael, Amy Winehouse, and Whitney Houston. I was just considering them, and I thought to myself, you know, the media doesn't focus upon it, but all these five people I mentioned over the past few years now, all of them died early. And all of them died using drugs or alcohol. Now, the media doesn't look at that, but because they were living rebellious lives, because they were living against the plan and the will of God, their lives were all cut short. Now, I want to say something to our teenagers, because some of you older ones can look back and say, yes, there's a trail of disaster in my past. You can look back and say, yes, I have made some terrible mistakes. I rebelled against God, but some of our young people haven't got that far yet. And I want to say to our young teenagers and the young people within the church, look at the lives of some of these musicians. Look at their lives. And you will be shocked to realize that these lives were cut short. Why? Because they rebelled against the plans and the will of God. Using alcohol, using drugs, having the wrong use of sex in their life. All of these things will cause a life to be ruined. In fact, the psalmist cries out, look what he says, again in our psalm, he says this, turn to me and be gracious to me. He says, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress. That is what sin does. It brings affliction, it brings distress, it brings loneliness, it brings confusion. Look at what sin does. And the psalmist cries out and says, oh God, be gracious to me. I am lonely and afflicted. I was uh, listening to my a testimony of my friend Jimmy Rowe. I he's here somewhere, I think Jimmy Rowe's around. And Jimmy Rowe was sharing his testimony. He said he had a crazy night of drugs and, and drink and he woke up and where did he find himself? In a room with dustbin bags all around him. Used dustbin bags and there's a dog, he said, running around in this house and a woman was around there as well with no teeth in her mouth. That's a nightmare. <laughs> but he woke up lonely He woke up on his own. He woke up in a place he doesn't want to be. But I want to tell you, that is where sin takes you. Rebellion.
and takes you right there. It may not be drugs. It may not be alcohol. It may not be the wrongful use of sex. But I want to tell you this morning, all sin takes you to a place of distress and affliction. And physically, mentally, emotionally, it will affect your life totally. That is what sin does. Now, I know it's not a very popular subject. But I want to preach about it this morning. Because you and I need to know what you're dealing with. When you pick up something you know is ungodly. You pick up something you know is not right. You need to know what you're dealing with. And the Bible turns around and says, Grief. Distress, affliction, loneliness comes with handling sin. And so the psalmist then cries out and he says this. Take away my sin. Take it away, oh God. Take it away. That's his cry. He calls again in the psalm. He says, Lord, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, O God, for you are good. Again, he says, I haven't put the verse up here. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my sin, though it is great. That's his prayer. He says, yes, Lord, I've been rebellious. I've done my own thing. I've got my own way. And I rebelled against you. But oh God forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me from my sin. Praise be to God. But you know although it's good to be forgiven. It's wonderful to have God remember your sin no more. It's great for God to forgive your rebellious ways. But you know what? That is not enough. Now you may say to me, "What? Isn't that wonderful enough? I mean, I've come to church and, and I've heard that my sins can be forgiven. I've come to church this morning and I've heard that God will forget my rebellious ways. Isn't that good enough? I say, no, it's not enough. What else is needed? Well, look at verse 24. Psalm 24, verse 4 and 5. The Bible speaks something about guidance. Look at verse 4 and 5 here. It says this. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. You see, this ought to be the cry of every Christian's heart. You know, because being forgiven is good, but it's not enough. Being washed and cleansed from sin is great, but there should be a cry coming from a Christian's heart. The cry should be, Lord, show me your way. Teach me, guide me, instruct me, lead me. Don't leave me as I am. If you leave me as I am, I'm likely to go back into the old way. But Lord, put your hand upon me. In fact, put both hands on me and lead me in the way that I need to go. Grab my hand like a child and take me in the right direction. Because Lord, if you leave me on my own, I will go back. Can you make it? Isn't that amazing? 
I tell you, it's true. Even if a man was in the gutter and in total filth and he gets brought out of that, he will go back into the same place. And so the psalmist knows this and he says, Lord, I thank you that you will not remember my sin anymore. But oh God, I need you to show me and to lead me. Look what he says again. He goes on and he says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. You see, it is sinners that God guides. He doesn't guide the perfect ones. He doesn't instruct the self-righteous people. No, 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 no. Sinners. Sinners is the one that the Lord himself has to do with. And he takes sinners. I think everyone here today is qualified to be guided and directed by the Lord himself. You know, I'm surprised often when I hear people in the Catholic Church go to confession. Because they go to confession and they, and they sit in the confessional box and the man's on the other side and, and they say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. What have you done, son? Well, I've lied. I've cheated. I've stolen. And the man on the next side will turn around and say, well, say so many Hail Marys and and, 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 and forgive you, and, and so on and so forth, and give him some, some things to do. But actually, the man should have turned around and said, listen, son, if I'm speaking to you from God, you need to go back and tell the truth. You need to go back and repay what you've stolen. If you're cheating, you need to go back and put that right. If you're cheating on your husband, you need to go back and put that right. That it should be the instruction that should be coming from the man who knows the word of God. Why? Because when God forgives you, he takes you and he leads you into his righteousness. That's what God does. Does it let you just forgive you and say, fine, you're forgiven, carry on. No, 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 no. He instructs sinners in his way. That is so wonderful. But still, that is not enough. You say, hold on. What do you mean it's not enough? God forgives me, remembers my sin no more. Then he instructs me in a way I should go. He leads me and still that's not enough. No, it's not enough. There's more. What else does God do? Well, here's that verse. He also blesses me. But look at verse 14. He says this. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Let me break that down for you. You see, the Bible here says, um, the Lord confides. That means that the Lord, God, brings you into his confidence. The Lord brings you into a place where he begins to speak to you. He brings you into a place where he begins to tell you things that you didn't know. Let me show you this. Look at Abraham, for example. Abraham, um, God called out Abraham. And God says this. God speaking to himself. And God says this about Abraham. He says this. 
Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? In fact, Abraham, the Bible says, Abraham was elevated to a wonderful status. Abraham was elevated to a status where the Bible says he was called God's friend. Look at the Bible verse here. There it is. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. And Abraham being God's friend, God was able to confide in him. God was able to speak with him. God didn't hide things from him, but God revealed things to him. Why? Because Abraham was God's friend. Question is, is Abraham the only friend of God? Let me take you down to the gospel. Listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Look what he says. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Jesus is speaking to you and I this morning. And Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. You're not my servants going out there doing my work. No, no, no. You are my friends. Not only Abraham, who was elevated to that title, the friend of God. But guess what? You, if you are a born-again Christian this morning, you are a friend of God. And he, someone say hallelujah to that. Crying out loud. He calls you friend. And he brings you into a relationship with him. And he confides in you. Oh my God. If you only knew. Look what the word of God turns around and says. If you only knew. Jeremiah call to me. The Lord is speaking here. Call to me. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Call to me, he says. Don't neglect prayer. That's why I was so encouraged to see so many people in the, in the Wednesday meeting. Because there are people there wanting to know what God is saying this morning. Call to me, says the Lord. Speak to me. And I will show you and I will tell you great and wonderful things that you do not know. That is what God is doing. He is calling men and he's giving them that title. Not servants, not slaves, but friends of God. That's you. That's me. You can be a friend of God this morning. And he will confide in you. But that is still not enough. He said, hold on, pastor, hold on. You're giving me too much already. You mean to tell me that God's going to forgive me and forget my sin? You mean to tell me that God's going to guide me and lead me? You mean to tell me that God's well, he's not only going to do that, but he's going to confide in me and call me his friend? That's too much. That's amazing. And he is. But there's more. There's more. Because the verse turns around and says this. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. He makes his covenant 
known to. Let me explain that to you. I know that you, you're wondering how great, why is that wonderful? Let me tell you why that is wonderful. You see, God enters into a new covenant with you. God enters into something new. The old covenant in the Old Testament, that was old, but God enters into something new with you in the new covenant, and he declares it in the old. This is what he says. Look what the Bible verse says. This is a covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and there will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I will enter a new covenant. He's speaking to Israel, but it applies to you as well. I will enter into a new covenant. And I, the Bible says, will Forgive their wickedness. Remember their sins no more. The question that I have to ask is, Lord, how are you going to do that? How? How are you going to do that? Forget the wickedness. Remember it no more. How? I'll tell you how. Let me take you down to Mount Calvary. And there you will see a man on the cross. And that man on the cross has been nailed to that cross. And when he cries out in a loud voice, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus was speaking about those around him, nailing him. Yes, they didn't know what they're doing, but Lord, I'm thinking as well about those sitting in Golding's church in 2017. I'm thinking about them because they're in sin, oh God, and they don't know what they are doing. And the reply will come out to Jesus. Jesus, because of your death, because of your sacrifice, their sins and their wickedness, I will remember no more. Hallelujah. I will take our new covenant with them. I will come into a new agreement with them. I will show them my new promise. And my promise is this. That because of you have died, I will freely forgive. That is the covenant. Praise be to God. The work is finished. When Jesus nailed on that cross and he said, it is finished. He meant that the work is done. There's nothing for you to do, nothing for you to add, nothing for you to contribute to your salvation. The work is done. Now, all you need to do is ask the Lord, Lord, thank you for remembering your great love. Thank you for remembering your great mercy. Thank you for forgetting my sin. Now, Lord, lead me. I need you to lead me. If you don't lead me, I'll go back. I don't want to go back to my old life. I don't want to go back to my old sins. I don't want to go back to my rebellious ways. Oh God, I want to be done. Done with lying. Done with stealing. Done with filthy talk. Done with pornography. Done 
with sin, Lord. I want to be done with it, oh God. Now lead me in the place that you want me to be. That ought to be the prayer of every born again Christian this morning. Lead me, oh God. Let me just finish reading that psalm. When it says, show me your ways, O oh Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. Teach me, for you are my saviour. And my hope is in you all day long. Let's pray. Yeah.